0: Brian Karam. Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and today with us is Joe Lockhart, former uh, spokesman for uh, President Clinton. Uh, currently, you can read his stuff at CNN or see him uh, on CNN, and actually... Uh, recently wrote a really good article that I like. We can talk a little bit about that if you want, Joe. Uh, So uh, when we come back, I'm proud and happy to have with us once again, Mr. Joe Lockhart. Be right back. Hi, and we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Caram, And so uh, it's Just Ask the Question. Joe, thanks for being here again. Happy holidays to you. Appreciate it. Happy holidays it. to you too. Glad to be back. <laughs> I, I like to start with just the question. Uh, there's been a lot of apologies in the press lately about how we handled Donald Trump in, in the four years and looking forward to Biden, a lot of commensurating about what should be done. What do you think we did what do you think we did wrong in the last four
1: years? Well, I think I think there's an assumption among the press that politics aside, and the games that politicians play aside, that that the president of the United States has a soul. And this one doesn't. I think everyone wanted him to just once do the right thing, and he can't do it because he's at, at a minimum, a sociopath. And I think everyone was kind of quietly hoping that he, you know, the, the famous word pivot and become the president, uh, but he never did. And no one, and you know, I, I do talk to people like uh, Michael D'Antonio and Tim O'Brien who are his biographers and uh, Tony Schwartz. i you know, I, I did an interview with him for, for my podcast. They were like, you guys don't get it. This is him. There's no redeeming quality. There's no soul there. Uh, And I think it took um, a lot of journalists and it took, it's not to journalists. I'm not, it's not a knock on journalists. I thought at some point he'd figure it out and say, this is what's good for America. I'm going to take these easy steps um, to position myself in a place where I can get more done. Uh, But it's just not there
0: right well what do you think that we did uh all right we we didn't recognize that he didn't have a soul uh but what do you think and, and i'll take umbrage with that I, when he came out and made fun of the uh i'll take i'll take issue with that when he came out and said that uh um and made fun of the uh, uh handicapped reporter i was done with him at that point in time um and i i you know we could talk about that later but what do you think that we um how did that manifest itself, not recognizing that he was soulless? How did that manifest itself in the way we covered the president, you think?
1: Well, I think he was such a black swan that at the beginning, no one knew quite how to cover him. And they assumed that he knew a lot more than he did and that he would make decisions based on someone who'd made decisions and made billions of dollars uh, over the years, and we come to find out two years in, three years in, everybody has their own scale of when they figured it out that he's just a total fraud, uh, and that there is nothing there. Uh, you know, the emperor indeed has no clothes. Uh, so, but I, again, I come back to, I think
0: most. So you think we uh, were treating him as we treated other presidents without realizing what it is that we were actually up against, and that our coverage reflected that? Is that what? Yeah, I think, I think
1: that um, you looked at what he was doing and said, well, presidents typically use rhetoric, uh, but then do the right thing, do the responsible thing. Well, Trump was good at the rhetoric, but he never did the right thing. And I think there was almost a hope among the press um, that
0: he would do better and he would become the president, but he never did. Well, I think that's the hope of any president. Nobody, I mean, I don't know anybody in the press corps that goes, gee, I wish this president would do badly because that would mean that the, the country would do badly. You all go in, we all go in with the hope that he'll, he'll, he'll do the right thing. Uh, but as you said, he never did.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even even a partisan like me, um, while I wanted him to be a one term president, I, I didn't want three hundred thousand Americans to die from COVID because he couldn't care less that it that it doesn't touch him in any way. That all these people are dying and he's not paying attention. Uh, so the, you know, I think any. You know it's, it's i always find that people who call themselves patriots are the first group of people who aren't really patriots patriots don't have to say i'm a patriot right. they love the country they do the things there's i i um uh tweeted um earlier this week that one of the tragedies of the trump administration is we've lost the american spirit of collective responsibility yeah that's. True. Uh, it's not all his fault we Politicians have managed over the last 20 or 30 years to make sacrifice something that we don't ever do. Uh, and that we put off problems and we kick it down the road. Uh, but Trump is a unique person. And now um, you know, you've got a conservative party in this country, the Republicans who believe in personal freedom, but they don't believe in individual responsibility that used to be the, the, the bulwark of, um, uh, conservative, uh, intellectual thought, uh, which is you have a responsibility to the rest of your community. Uh, and now it's, you know, listen, you know, I got mine, you get yours. Yeah. And you know, you, there's a 10 million examples. Uh, the one that sticks out in my mind just from this week is, you know, vice president Pence who, says all the right things when he's at the podium and then goes to the turning point rally with hundreds of people in the room with no masks, all packed in together so what does he really believe what he believes in he's going to get his he needs these people for the next election and he's going to get his and all of the people who won't wear a mask they're going to get theirs and they don't give a shit
0: about anybody else well that's and as far as mix, that's a mixed message. Cause I mean, we walk into the, I, I wrote about this this week myself, but you walk into the white house press briefing room, there's a sign that says after this point, you have to wear a mask, you know, in the Brady briefing room, right near the uh, stage where, you know, you would walk in. So when you walk into the lower press area, you're supposed to wear a mask and no one on the staff does only the reporters do. So it should say everybody wear a mask, but us because we're better than you. So it's, it's that mixed messaging. Plus, you've got uh, you've got uh, Pence getting a shot, while at the same time you have people who support the president who believe that uh, who believe still believe that the whole coronavirus is a hoax, or they believe con- conversely that uh, that getting the vaccine is a hoax and will cause autism. So take your you know your pick. It's a horrible mixed messaging, and I think you're right about reporters, I think we took took it for granted in the beginning that there would be something that would come from this presidency that we could relate to that was normal. And I think it affected our our coverage of the guy.
1: Yeah, I think the only um, uh, parallel that I can draw in recent history is the coverage of uh, uh, the president, George W. Bush, oh, yeah. to the, the Iraq war. Yeah. I think there was, there was such boosterism going on uh, among some of the best journalists in, in Washington. Um, a lot of them. Yeah. And I, you know, it's, and it goes to what you and I've been talking about now for a long time, ad nauseum. So now your listeners have to get exposed to this, but it's because war is a good story. Things blowing up are visual, are visually interesting. And News is a business now. It didn't used to be, um, particularly television news. Television yeah. news up until 1980, maybe 84, was a loss leader uh, for the big networks. Uh, they just assumed they'd lose a couple hundred million dollars a year as their civic duty. Like, uh, this is what we give back for all of the things we get for owning some of the public airwaves.
0: Yeah, air and networks. you know what, when that changed?
1: Yeah, it, it changed Wild in- the-
0: Reagan. Yes.
1: Um, And, you know, you look at things, um, you know, I'm no fan of Ronald Reagan. Yeah, me either. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) we could do a whole show on that. But yeah, but you look at some things and deregulation in some areas worked. The airline industry, for example, it's, you know, it's become a competitive market. Um, You know, your seat is smaller, you don't get anything to eat. But boy, it's opened up air travel to tens of millions of Americans who couldn't afford it before, Um, but some other things like um, uh, the way the FCC tried, uh, didn't try, they accomplished um, sort of tearing down all the regulations. That's, you know, it's a big part of what the problem is now.
0: Yeah, it's siloed information. I call it siloing information. I mean, you go to your free speech is available, but you stick with the people that you're comfortable with. So if you like Fox News, you listen to nothing but Fox News and there's no need to go outside because they address all your needs in your philosophical cul-de-sac right there. For, so yeah. f- for the lesson discriminating mind, it's very easy now where it used to not be.
1: Well, I mean, the interesting part is the old system wasn't perfect either. No, uh, the there old, is no perfect system. The old system was a bunch of white men who went to Ivy League schools sitting in New York um, or Los Angeles Making decisions about what was important and what wasn't. They were the ultimate arbiters, the ultimate referees, the ultimate gatekeepers to news. And a lot of stuff just never got on the air. I mean, let's take let's take the Hunter. Oh. In 1978, that story wouldn't have gotten on the air because there just wasn't enough, you know, and unless we mm. really turned over something. And now it goes through the right-wing ecosystem and frankly there's a left-wing ecosystem too uh but the 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 most fundamental change is that all of these people need to turn a profit and if you look at you look at the journalism landscape anyone who can't turn a profit is dead and the people who can and you know fox news is probably the best example they found an they found a market that was underserved people who love to, you know, right wing people who like to yell at their TV and Roger Ailes, you know, saw it, took advantage of it and it's changed news.
0: And he he saw it at the end of Nixon. I think uh, Reagan helped him take advantage of it with some very favorable rulings. And of course, Rupert Murdoch allowing him, uh, Reagan allowed him to bypass or they, he, he bypassed at the time ownership regulations. So Rupert could still own papers in Boston and New York, while he owned stations there, and he wasn't supposed to do that. Uh, yeah, that's, invest that's
1: themselves. yeah, that goes to the, you know, while air, airline deregulation worked, mostly. News doesn't. Yeah, it, it doesn't. And that's where things started to go wrong. And so you have, you know, uh, journalism as a hard-nosed business where only the fittest survive. And then you have media consolidation. And you have people like Rupert Murdoch having outsized influence because he's allowed in cities to own the TV station and the newspaper and radio stations. Uh, You know, to anyone who wasn't paying attention before 1980 or wasn't born, you weren't allowed to do that. You couldn't own 140 stations like Sinclair does and, you know, puts out garbage to people on the local TV front. Yes. There 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 was a fundamental reason which was you can't put too much power into any one person's hands. Right. Um, and, you know, it's the, it, both of, you know, those two things and, and a variety of other things, technology uh, changing the world for the good, but with lots of problems, you know, uh, in its tail uh, has sort of fundamentally changed the
0: business of Journalism. It's not just. I agree, but I say that that started with Mark S. Fowler, who hit it. Who was the head of the FCC under Reagan, 1981. He got rid of those rules about ownership, so it enabled Sinclair to to. That's how Sinclair came to be. That's how Fox came to be by getting rid of the ownership rules. It allowed uh, monopolies to thrive. Um, right. And I think the,
1: the, the problem, one of the problems with journalism is j- journalists have trouble covering other journalists. Oh yeah. Even when journalists are the news. So you t- this is, <laughs> I, I did a piece on this last week. Fox News is now more important than almost any Republican in DC. They're more, they're more important than all the members of the house. They're more important than Kevin McCarthy Maybe Mitch McConnell is the yeah, one. Yeah,
0: I, I would say Mitch McConnell's the and, holdout
1: that, there. That, that may have more power. But Fox News isn't covered as a news story. Fox News is covered as a kind of a media sidebar. And you've got a few people in the business. Brian Stelter at CNN, probably the most... Um,
0: uh, but his uh, background is not in covering media. Yeah, so no, no, no. A, he,
1: no, no, no. Brian's background is in covering the media. He's, well, he started... He started doing this out of uh, college, and but my, my point is, um, as as good as Brian is, he is seen as a the, the not the news. It's an analysis of what the media may entertainment. be entertainment, and and what I think journalists and news organizations need to do is make Fox News a beat which is every day there's a reporter that goes on and says, here's what Fox News is saying today, and here's what's wrong with it, because they're not a news organization. They're an entertainment uh, entertainment company. And they, frankly, if they figured out they could make more money being left-wing, they'd do it. Oh, yeah. I, it's
0: where the money is,
1: without yeah. a doubt. But, but you know, that's, that's not their market. And but it has nothing to do with journalism or news
0: gathering decisions. It We're going ha- to get into some of the solutions to that in the next block. But as I outline some of the problems, all right, so the overall problems, as you see it, are media monopolies and some uh, companies that are say that they're news, but they're entertainment. Uh, and then there's the OANs and the uh, Newsmax, and, and that's really propaganda. I get that individually what should an individual reporter and you've been in that briefing room so you know as as well as anyone what did we do wrong in that briefing room that we should have done better
1: yeah i don't think the the dishonesty was punished initially as severely as it should have been um, you know if i had done what sean spicer did on the first day i wouldn't have had a second day let's let's be honest Amen. i would not have been able, I would have been fired. Um, yeah. instead, he, you know, he he got kudos from uh, the president. Yes. And I and I think for far too long people allowed Trump to use media allowed Trump to use their platforms to spread lies.
0: And- well, I think I, I think it was also because look I you know I've covered a lot of presidents as much as he griped about us He made himself available to us, at least until the election, more than any other president. And it was that access, I think, that kept some reporters from pushing the envelope. Yeah,
1: in some ways, he was the opposite of Barack Obama, who, you know, didn't really want you to know who he was. Trump, you just had to wake up in the morning and read Twitter, and you knew (laughs) what a a weirdo he was. Um, And that, you know, I think people... And the fact that he would bring people in and that he would talk at length, um, anytime, anywhere, uh, reporters like that. But fundamentally, they didn't tell, he didn't tell the truth and the price was too low for a long time. It, it did change uh, over time. But I'll give you one very narrow, but specific example of where I think the media could have done better. And I'll, you know, I, I have a, uh, I'm a CNN contributor so it's it's a the example involves CNN and you know it's it's TV uh, and I've actually you know it'll come as no surprise to them that I'm that I'm saying this because I said it out loud. Stephanie Grisham did not do a briefing in her entire time. What Stephanie Grisham figured out was she could launder her news through Fox. She could go out every morning and be on Fox and Friends, get put their message out there and by three or four o'clock in the afternoon everybody in tv world who needs moving pictures and words um, would say we have nothing we have to give trump some voice in this story they've used the fox video yep they've used the propaganda yeah and that's so that's a very narrow example but it's a real one where i think they should have said no unless Stephanie Grisham's willing to come out and take questions from us or come on our air we're not using a word
0: she says I I agree with you you know the only official action she took in the entire year she was there she tried to pull my press pass yeah well there, I knew <laughs>
1: that there was one thing she did that I liked about
0: her <laughs> me too <Yeah. laughs> three times in court that's that's <laughs> only.
1: there's nothing that makes a reporter more popular than having you know the president
0: of the united states trying to kill him yeah that's (laughs) true (laughs) i'll be happy when the death threats kind of ease off a little bit (laughs) Uh, we're going to take a break and when we come back we're going to talk about these problems but some solutions and and joe love to have you weigh in on a few of those so uh stick around and we'll be right back Well, time to pay the bills, folks, and this one I, I don't mind doing. If, <laughs> actually, I've actually used this. If this 2020 holiday season feels like it's been a long time, come and make it worth the wait with Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks makes the perfect gift for family and friends or to treat yourself. All shipped directly to your door. They offer everything you need to bring families together for a delicious holiday feast. Okay, or maybe not, maybe just a delicious festival. Uh, their deluxe grillers assortment package includes a variety of entrees, sides, and desserts. Right now, you can get this mouth-watering package. I've never actually seen a mouth water. Well, well, anyway, plus four free burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. And we all need a good meat thermometer. And exclusive price only available to uh, our listeners. So go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code QUESTION into the search bar. Get a jump on gift shopping with Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks isn't just a steak. It's actually a a lot of them. It's a fantastic gift and a safe way to share the joy of the season with Omaha Steaks, guaranteed quality and safety with every order. (laughs) Order the Deluxe Grillers Assortment Package today, and you'll receive four free Omaha Steak Burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. That's just a great straight line I won't use. When you go to omahasteaks.com and type question in the search bar, that's omahasteaks.com and type question and if you need to spell it as q-u-e-s-t-i-o-n in the search bar and you'll shop for the best gourmet gifts of the season i i, I like a good raw steak so uh, enjoy it it is a lot of fun hi and we're back it's just ask the question i am your host brian Caram, and with us joe lockhart again a uh, former press secretary uh, for Clinton, for Bill Clinton and uh, CNN contributor uh, and, and frequent guest here and, and I always love to hear what you have to say, Joe. So we're, we're talking a little bit about the problems of um, of our uh, of the press, and then some of the solutions. So where do you see uh, that we would need solutions? What do you think are some of the solutions for the press?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, I I think one is that that you can legislate on is the easing of the rules on uh, that, that cause such uh, extreme consolidation of uh, news organizations. Um, You know, you, you, I'll give you a a non-media example of how you can fix something, which is, you know, President, one of the regrets President Clinton has expressed over his time was he Repealed Glass-Steagall, you know, yeah. um, which allowed um, investment banks to be both an investment bank and an investor at the same time, which caused right. a, a complete conflict. Um, and they fixed that, you know, in Dodd-Frank uh, and with the Volcker Rule, and you know, through a variety of things. I think we need to revisit that. Um, uh, so, busting up the media monopolies. Yes. I also think that, you know, the the, if you if you uh, take a plane and go sit in London for a couple of days, you'll realize how much more ubiquitous the BBC is than PBS here. And yes, now Judy Woodruff does a wonderful job every night with the NewsHour. But it, you know, it it frankly doesn't reach that many people. And. It doesn't have great um, influence on the body politic. The BBC does. All of that's paid for by the taxpayer. And the BBC and the government is always at each other's throat. But the government has decided in the UK that journalism is important. That journalism is one of the pillars of democracy. And even when it's
0: killing them,
1: they're still going to pay for it.
0: You know... You, one would think we would appreciate it here in the U.S. since the First, the first Amendment is, is, you know, pays, and it's the first, not the 10th or the fifth. the First Amendment pays tribute to free speech um, and is the basis for our news uh, business. But I, I, I agree with you. I don't think the government here uh, holds um, the press in that high esteem.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, Republicans that I think have intellectually controlled our government more often than not in the last 40 years believe that the market should decide what journalism is.
0: And they're the same people that believe in trickle-down economics, and look where that's gotten us over the last 40 years. Exactly. So I mean, I'm not going to well, listen to that crap.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're wrong, but... Yes.
0: <laughs> but how do you get... I have posited and you and I have discussed, but I, I agree with you on busting up the media monopolies. When I first got into this business, you know, and, and I officially have old fart status now. Um, when I first got into the business, 80% of what you see reader here was owned by a couple of dozen companies. Today, it's like 90% or more are owned by five or six companies. There are twice the number of people on the planet today as on the day I was born, and half the number of reporters. There are whole parts of the government that just go unreported on because there are no reporters to do it. And media consolidation was one of the big reasons why. You know, when you had, and I always use Gannett, the takeover of the Courier-Journal and Louisville Times. But before, when the when the Binghams owned the Courier-Journal and Louisville Times, they had bureaus in several cities, and they shared bureau space, you know, across the globe. So they had a reporter in Russia. They had, I think the the bureau in DC at one time was a dozen people. Well, Gannett came along and bought them and said, what do we need all these extra people for? We already have reporters there covering the force. So they got rid of a lot of reporters. And that's been the consolidation of the business as the media companies continue to buy themselves up. There are fewer and fewer reporters covering everything. So I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I don't know how you go about doing the mechanism by which you do that, legislation I know would be part of it, or, or maybe through the FCC, because it was the FCC where the, those rules were, or the ownership rules, maybe you bring them back. I also think there needs to be a national shield law. So reporters doing real reporting uh, don't have to worry about going to jail to protect a source. Um, the Obama administration used the Espionage Act eight times to go after uh, um, whistleblowers, and that hurt. So there's got to be some protection for real journalists. Otherwise, you're going to keep getting the pablum because that's pretty much all we can do. And people love the you know WFFC or whatever, the, you know, the World Wrestling, the WW, whatever, WWF. Uh, so, But the one I think where we disagree, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is on reinstituting the fairness doctrine. I don't know, and maybe I'm being naive and you can correct me, but I don't know how you get people who are too lazy to turn a channel to listen to another side to an argument if it's not mandated it's almost to me like forced integration you know school busing. everybody griped about it but it sure did work
1: yeah listen i i i believe in the the uh, the concept of the fairness doctrine i just don't see how uh it can be structured in a way where it works. Uh, here's, the, here's the example I'll give you. Uh, Fox doesn't even do this anymore. But they used to bring Democrats on uh, for,, you know, an opposing view. They, they have some on now, but they would continually bring on the worst Democrats they could find. <laughs> so you know, an articulate, uh, smart, savvy Republican would come on and some dunce that you'd never heard of, from the Democratic Party, and you weren't even sure he was in or she was in the Democratic Party. Yeah. Come on and make a fool of themselves. And if there was a fairness doctrine, they would be compliant. Um, so I just, I, I don't see how you how you can construct a system where you build fairness into it. Um, the only way that uh, I can see it is if you take the, and you can't do this completely, but take the bottom line emphasis out of journalism. Now there's a thought. Yeah, so, so maybe there, it's a system of very generous tax credits where people who you know, have thriving industries get a tax credit for investing um, in, in journalism because that's when it works. That's when people right. cover a story because it's a story and right. they give you the news straight. You know, when you've got a, when every quarter you've got to make your number, you make right. your news two ways, skewing the news and laying off staff. And at some point there's no staff to lay off. So you skew yes. your news even harder. I mean, look what's going on with Fox right now. They are terrified that they've been outflanked on the right by OAN and Newsmax. And they have. And, and, you know, I think last week or the week four was the first time a Newsmax show outrated a Fox show in an hour. Um, so they should be scared. But it's because this is about uh, the bottom line, they're not going to move to the center. Uh, and give you straight news, they're going to move further to the right and try to get to the right of Newsmax. And, you know, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse.
0: <laughs> There's a. Other side. than that, things are great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad it's so rosy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> well, I, 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 for one, have no problem with the existence of OAN or Newsmax or Fox News or any of them, I think um, they all should be allowed in the briefing room. I just don't want them to preclude me from being there. I, I think it shows if a president will come out and all he does is choose those who will parrot him, that gives you a good indication of where that president is. A president and all the others would even, you know, Reagan, uh, you know, would take quite you know, Sam Donaldson gave him unmitigated grief for eight years um, they would take questions from those people they knew weren't going to be easy on them. And that showed their mettle as well. So I don't have a problem. I, I think either way, what's there will show people if they care to watch and listen what the president is about. I'm more concerned about those people who are too lazy to turn the channel and will only get an earful or an eyeful of, of OAN or Newsmax or Fox and never be exposed so the rest of you know, like reality.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, th- this is there's a little bit of a chicken and an egg thing here, which is yeah. as the news business became more of a business, and as news started to be tailored for an audience, you can't blame an audience for choosing.
0: No, and, not at all.
1: And you know, I, 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 for one, like to watch people who agree with me because uh, I think they're smart. <laughs> so they think they're There you go, but, you know- Well, uh, damn it, I am. Uh, But, so I don't think you can blame the viewers, Um, but I think you can blame um, the overall structure of the business that made money more important than news.
0: So, but but if, all right, so if we consider that, that it's an environment which we consider money over news, You had mentioned the BBC. I don't think we would ever take on, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we would ever see that model of journalism in the U.S. to any great extent because we certainly haven't put money into PBS and we certainly haven't put, you know, uh, Voice of America, hell, Trump was trying to run out of town. So I don't see that. As a possibility, yeah. is it? Do you think that would be a possibility?
1: Now listen, we're 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 looking for solutions, so we're willing to suspend reality for a little bit. But yeah. you know, the BBC model is an interesting one. You don't have to pay for the BBC if you don't want to. It's not a tax on everyone. Everyone who buys a TV and watches one pays a television license, pays a very nominal fee. Uh, so if you, you know, come, you know, just think. I don't think that's an appropriate use of government money. You can live your life and have all the personal freedom you want and not watch television. Right. But if you, um, but if you do choose to watch it, then you pay a little bit to make sure that, you know, and the, the, the reason you need a BBC or a strong media here in the U S is politicians will do as much as they think they can get away with. Dean, you were seeing that every day. Yeah. (laughs) But they're going to get caught and they think that they'll there'll be negative news that serves as a guardrail that keeps some of the worst excesses out of politics and government and what we found in the last four years is the guardrail is gone and the the penalty blew on
0: past that (laughs) yeah
1: and and the penalty is not extreme because there's no, you know, when I was the the White House press secretary, a front page lead story in the New York Times or a 60 minute story could set you back for weeks. Now That's it sets good. you back for about 15 minutes.
0: Yeah, and I you, think you're being kind. Sometimes five. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's like next.
1: Yeah, uh, and you know, the more media there is, the less impactful it is. Uh, right. I mean, the journalism part of it, not the entertainment part. Um, And, you know, there's there is no easy solution to this. You can't you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, particularly with technology, nor would you want to. And the idea that we have flattened the architecture of news media is great that that any of us, you know, can get a story and it can be seen by a lot of people. And it's not just these guys who went to Harvard sitting in New York. But we just don't have any referees or any rules anymore.
0: yeah, I think there needs to be I don't know that all right, if we're just politics in a vacuum and, and and solutions independent of reality, the BBC would be, I think, a partial solution to the problem.
1: yeah, no, it's it's if 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 the government wanted to make an investment and it could be PBS, um, uh, PBS would have to do a whole lot more news, yeah than what they do um and you know they're they have a mission of giving you the news straight they have a mission of adhering to the fairness doctrine whether it's there or not or not uh and you know it's not the solution but it's part of
0: the solution i agree with that i think the other part would be also uh tax incentives and tax breaks for so you can take some of the profit problem out of the news but um
1: yeah i mean listen if if you know look at i mean jeff bezos bought the washington post Uh, you know the guy's worth 200 billion dollars so it was not a heavy lift for him to buy it it's probably been more of a headache for him than anything any other investment he's made because you know they're in court now, you know, and a judge will decide this. But they lost a ten billion dollar Defense Department uh, uh, contract because Trump was mad at the Washington Post. But what you know, Bezos has done is he said, you know, this is a, this, this is an investment I think the country needs, and you know, as opposed to laying people off, they're hiring like crazy at, at the Washington Post. Yeah. Um, and the, the product is
0: much better. Yes. Well, <laughs> when you throw money at problems, they usually get solved one way or another. Well, sometimes, <laughs> not always. But, you know, <laughs> you look at, you know,
1: in the, in, in the heyday of like Watergate and um, uh, the Nixon era, The Washington Post and The New York Times were cutthroat competitors. And any given month, one of them would be seen as the leader, and one of them would be seen as the laggard. Over time, that changed. The times I, th- I think um, uh, held their position, and the post I think wandered around for a while. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I don't think it's the case anymore. This is like they're back at it, and it pushes them to get uh, you know a, a great story, uh, and to do the work, as he said. So it's it's a so. The, the point is, if there was an incentive for other businesses and other of these mega wealthy people to invest in media as a public service, that would take the business element out of it. You know, it's just not going to bother um, Jeff Bezos if the Washington Post loses $100 million next year. It's not, no. it's, it's, I mean, it, it, may, it may intellectually bother him, but, but you know, you've got-
0: uh, He's just, it's gonna bother his, his accountants and that's about it.
1: You know, it doesn't, and you know, and I think that it, he has in many ways taken um, a lot of the profit incentive out of the equation. And kind yeah. of paper, go, just go cover the news.
0: What do you need? What a concept. I've never worked for anybody who's ever said that. <laughs> well, you've
1: never worked for somebody who said it and meant it.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> True that. That's so so, so we have the, the individuals that what the individual reporter needs to do and what the government can do for the corporations and what corporations should do. All right, so how. Do we address if we cannot address it with a fairness doctrine? How do we address the inherent flaw of providing it? It, it won't just happen if you take the um, the money out of it, the profit out of it. You have to incentivize them to do it as well. What incentives would you provide for, uh, in in this you know uh, universe where we're talking? you know, a view askew, <laughs> you know, not reality, but just the perception, how, what, what incentives could you provide to ensure that journalists do the job that journalists are supposed to do? Well, I mean, that's a hard one to
1: develop an incentive system.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, we talked a little bit about, you know, you can, you can help on the tax front, um, make this an investment that's, um, you know, is given great advantage because it is in the public interest. Um, you know, just like the pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies get great tax advantages because they develop drugs that save people's lives, you know, and that's, that's a way yeah. where the government has said, you know, we don't like everything they do and sometimes they gouge us, uh, but we're not willing to change this because we don't want to have to rely on other countries to, to be the, the leading edge of pharmaceutical research. Um, you know, I think, you know, this is, this is Pollyannish and, I, but I hope that we see a little bit of this in the next couple of years, that there's just a, there's a commitment to go back to the way things used to be, which is just cover the news. Uh, and, and I, this is not a one-sided thing from the government's point of view, just tell the truth. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, you
1: don't have to go out every day and say, hey, we screwed this up today and we screwed that up today. But when someone figures out your screw-ups, just say, yeah, we did it, you know, and we'll do better next time. And if it was malfeasance, that guy's gone or that woman's gone, you know, from, from the government. Um, I, you know, I don't know that it's that, that it's more complicated than that.
0: No, I, I and teaching, you know, the. I... I always maintain it'd be nice to have copy editors, there are newspapers that don't even have those anymore. Last question before we go to the break. Do you think there is um, a mandate in the Biden administration to even tackle this problem? Or are we just you know, talking hypotheticals? Well, I think uh,
1: I would say two things there. I think there is a mandate to tell the truth. Uh, uh, you know, Jen Psaki would not have taken this job on. She thought her job was equivalent to what Sean Spicer did and uh, Kayleigh McEnany did. Whether they think fixing journalism is a problem, I doubt. Uh, right. You know, it's, it, there's a, it, it's, you know, there, there's almost, there is a predictable rhythm to an administration coming in, having a little bit of a honeymoon, and then the first time they get hammered, people go to their corners, <laughs> and the the you know the media is the enemy, and the the media starts to believe that the government is the enemy, and you know it's a long ugly slog, um, and you know I, I've never uh, talked to a president who thought they got good press, and I know oh. who actually did. But yeah. never, never thought they did.
0: <laughs> it's never so, good enough.
1: Yeah. So I don't. I think. Um, I think the mandate with the Biden people is to, yeah to to return to you know being a trusted source, which the um, communicators at the Trump White House never were, but also to do what they need to do to build support to get the things they need done, which you know doesn't you know and you know journalism is a is a tool for them to get that done, but they don't feel responsible for um, preserving the institution. It's just not it's just not how um, I think White House, you know, White Houses thing.
0: No, I, I, I think that they think of us <clears throat> as a, a necessary evil or in Donald Trump's case an <laughs> unwanted evil. <laughs> but that's you know that's our, our job is to be there. And that's the way the first, you know, we are the final checks and balance in the system, allowing the people to have a look inside to see what our government is doing in our name. Um, and I think,
1: yeah, and I think, you know, it's important, you've had an important point because the entire system of checks and balances collapsed under Trump. Yes, it did. Check on Trump because Congress wouldn't, the courts seemed unable to, um, and the only check was the media we were we were what was left yeah and that was you know and did it um did it curb him from excesses no it didn't he just did whatever he wanted on the other hand joe biden won by seven million votes yeah yeah i, I think the work that journalism did exposing what what trump was up to had a hand in that
0: yeah uh I'll, you know i to your point you know we Go break here before we come back. But to your point about um, the quickness and the turnaround time of the of the news um, today, and you know, the news cycle just turns over so quickly. I was really surprised. The one time where I asked a question that stuck around for longer than five minutes was the question I asked Trump, and this was September twenty third. We're still dealing with it today. When I asked him, win, lose, or draw. Would he promise or, or commit to a peaceful transfer of power? And I was surprised that that stuck around in this in the news environment, in which we are today. But I think it says something to what you're talking about. If it resonates, uh, it does stick around. Yeah,
1: and you know, it's occasionally it 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 takes on meaning um, because it's been identified by journalists, and it uh, gives the public access into what the president's really doing.
0: Right. That's why I always say that OAN and Newsmax, and those aren't, or Breitbart, I don't see them, I don't view them as the enemy. Um, I, I view them as, wow, I, I I really didn't know people were that batshit nuts till I heard it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and they're making money off of that, and the president's using them. So that yeah. gives you an insight into what the president is about. Even though I think I could have brought that insight through questions myself, the fact that it was brought out is what's important. And so them being there, he may have thought it was did him a great service, but I maintain in the end that it did him a, a great disservice because uh, people, I know people who said, you know, I voted for him in 2016, but good Lord, look what he's, I saw this thing on OAN and Fox. I'm not going to vote for this guy in 2020. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's, that's. That that is one of the uh, lessons of 2020
0: yeah yeah well we'll take a break and we'll be back with uh, some other thoughts <music> Omaha Steaks makes the perfect gift for family and friends or to treat yourself all shipped directly to your door they offer everything you need to bring families together for a delicious holiday feast okay when you go to okay. omahallesteaks.com and type question in the search bar that's omahasteaks.com and type question if you need to spell it as q-u-e-s-t-i-o-n in the search bar and you'll shop for the best gourmet gifts of the season i i like a good raw steak so uh, enjoy it it is a lot of fun hey just ask the question podcast listeners if you've got a second head on over to twitter and follow our official page j-a-t-q podcast for all the updates your little heart could desire that's j-a-t-q podcast Again, that's at J-A-T-Q podcast. All right. Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian and With us again is Joe Lockhart. And Joe, we've been talking for the last 45 minutes about uh, uh, the press and the president. So I've got to ask you, this this will air, of course, uh, New Year's. Uh, So happy New Year to you. I hope you have a great one. I hope we all have a better one than, than 2020 was Well, 2021 should be better (laughs) on the limb as I'm willing to go, man, you took a big chance on that one. (laughs) I'm proud of your bravery, (laughs) but looking back over the years, uh, where do you think, you know, uh, I was talking to someone the other day and there was a, a moment, um, when Sarah Sanders was there and they had the turkeys that for, I guess it was Thanksgiving. And she goes, wow, it was like a real West wing moment. And there was somebody else who said it was more like a newsroom moment. Uh, So over the years in Hollywood, do you think anybody ever got the press and the president or either one of them, right? Well, you know, I don't think that
1: um, anyone got it right because the reality is not that entertaining. Um, the reality is people um, are dogged and you know do a you know do a lot of work you know and just string together a lot of information and it's not exciting, you know. I think there have been, I, I think there have been um, shows and movies that get at certain elements. You know, I mean, I think all the President's Men, um, yes. we gave you insight into. What it's like to try to, you know, put together an honest story when people are trying to lie to you, um, and you know, and I think it's that's remarkable. I think um, one of the movies that I think captures something, and this, this a lot of this is going to show my age here because okay. it's movies made in the last twenty years, um, was Absence of Malice with oh great movie, a great movie, and and it it got to. How sometimes even the most well-intentioned media can screw somebody, you yeah, and how they can push back, yeah. Uh, and you know, I thought that was good. And I, you know, the last one that I like just because of it gave you an idea of both the energy and sometimes how ridiculous the newsroom is. Is the 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 great Michael Keaton movie, The Paper? The
0: paper. I was going to say the paper. Yeah.
1: yeah. And that's that. You know it's you know and again it's
0: that that's great it's not,
1: that's not exactly accurate but oh. every line in that movie has been uttered in a newsroom
0: oh uh, yeah. you, know, it's, you know the funny thing <laughs> is, uh, you got a different word for i got a different word for all of them get out of the way yeah I've been <laughs> there <laughs> you're I, right you're not you're not a columnist you're yeah. a reporter who writes too long <laughs> Great See, lines.
1: Uh, when, I, when I took um, over at the White House as the press secretary someone said something about we haven't had someone with a who's had been a journalist which I was for a while uh, uh, being the press secretary since Ron Nessen for you know Gerald Ford
0: oh, Wow yeah
1: and it, it, it made me think and one of the things that you know my past experience brought to uh, the Clinton White House was how random news decisions are made and yeah. how what seems like they're out to get us is sometimes the result of freakish things that, you know, there's nobody sitting like there's no evil um, person behind the uh, the curtain saying, I'm really going to screw the Democrats or the Republicans or right. all of that today. Uh, and I think that helps in tr- when you're on the government side or the political side in dealing with reporters um because you know they get things wrong but nine times out of ten they didn't get it wrong on purpose right Uh, and 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 the absence of malice (laughs) yeah they're they're more than willing to correct it if you can demonstrate it so um you know i don't you know i guess aaron sorkin did the newsroom and that's um more recent and i think that probably was um in in some ways uh a more modern look uh at it because it was it was opinion journalism right it was you're right and i which is what most of the news is that i mean listen there there are so many great reporters out there and when i say something like most journalism is opinion journalism i think oh i've just insulted 500 great journalists so i don't mean all of it i just mean what drives coverage is right. opinion, and there's you know there will always be a place for people who are just the facts and but you know it's like you know reporters break a story and for the next two hours they're on tv talking about their story yeah that's and they it's just different um and you know it's it's just different i'm not going to say it's bad i'm not going to say it's good
0: no, I, I think in some ways it's, it's both. It's, it's not that it's inherently bad or inherently good. It's what the individual makes of it when they do it that makes it bad or good. I mean, there were public affairs stories. I remember back during, a, and I'll go back to you know my childhood, uh, busing, and the reporters that were covering it would go live, and then they would show up on the Sunday shows and talk about what they saw at the protests, and when, you know, they were hanging the uh, the police chief in effigy and and stuff like that. And so you got a bit of what we have today. But with the the news cycle being so demonstrative and so quick overturning and there being so many platforms to in which to broadcast news, there is it, it's a mall that has to be fed, I think. And so it's kind of exponentially uh, uh, bit, has risen that that personality part of the journalism
1: yeah i I think the 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 news cycle used to be a lot slower yes in the days where tv was using film at two o'clock in the afternoon they had to put it on a plane to go back to new york for the film to be developed (laughs) so anything that happened after two in the afternoon what news (laughs) it wasn't news until the next morning at least um so you know that and you know there was a rhythm to it where news was just here are the facts, and then you know on the weekend you'd get, you know you'd get analysis the Sunday shows which could drive an entire week or a month. Right. Uh, on Sunday you got the news magazines that really took the time to dig in. Like when I was when I was the press secretary, every Thursday or Friday I spent an hour with with the reporter. Uh, from each of the big news magazines, you know, Time, Newsweek, and U.S. News, because they were looking for they were looking for color and you know, like take me inside this, as opposed to what you say at the podium. Right. And and now the the news the ink hasn't dried uh, to use an old expression before fifteen people are analyzing what it means
0: before yeah, I- they figure out what actually happened. Well, I'm amazed and this is just, you know, I it's it's always happened, so I'm not amazed, but I am surprised at the the expanse or the or, or how it is expanded. People who talk about the White House and analyze what has happened at the White House, but they've never been to the White House. And that <laughs> Listen,
1: let, let me say something about the 15 people analyzing it.
0: I'm one of them. Yeah, <laughs> you
1: know, I'm, I'm. That's
0: different. You've been there. I'm talking about people who have never been there, don't know the inner workings, and are telling me. I, I had an analyst one time tell me I was wrong about something that went on in the White House, and I go, I, I, I said, I, I don't mean to be rude, but you, but you're wrong. I, I was, I was standing there five yeah. feet away when it happened. I, I know that it happened, and they go, no, that's not what happened, and I, I can't, I. I I can't argue with that. <laughs> no. and that's,
1: that's become a, a, a defining characteristic of media, which is you can't, you can't be certain that you're getting it straight. Yes. On, on, in a lot of places. Uh, and conservatives think that the big, uh, you know, the New York Times and the Washington Post are out to kill them uh, you know, Democrats look at what goes on at Fox and talks about how it's killing democracy. Um, and the public, I think, has just gotten to a place where they've said, well, since I can't figure out what, what's true, I'm going to do one of two things, not care or pick a team. Mm. If I'm on the red team or I'm on the blue team or on the, you know, I'm, the shirts or skins. Uh, I'm just only going to believe what my team believes yes and you've got it there is an outlet for everything uh and i just want to be the ref well that's the thing that there used to be referees there used to be you know you know there were there used to be you would go to a big news organization with some piece of you know tantalizing piece of scandal and
0: they'd say come back when you've got a real story yeah that's well, I've had reporters that work for me and they will come to me and I, I'll assign them a story and they'll go, Well, this is what I think. And I'll go, I, I, I don't care what you think. Yeah. I barely I barely care what I think. Yes. What, what do you know? <laughs> you can be a columnist after you've worked for 15 years. Your first job in the business shouldn't be telling me what you think about, you know, the news. I want to know what you actually can, you know, provide me that's factual. I think well, that's I, I, left.
1: I knew things were heading in the wrong direction in my last year in the White House, and I, a kid from uh, Stanford came in. and um, I, I, for some reason, I was talking to a group, and he grabbed me afterwards and asked me a couple questions. and I said I looked at him and said, "You know, you've got you've got the world in front of you. What do you want to be?" And I expected him to either say a politician or a journalist. He said, "I want to be a pundit." And I said, I said pundits are traditionally people who gain expertise and then talk about their expertise. Right. You're of that here. Yeah. And Twenty years later, he was right. You yeah. don't have to have to go through that first step. Yeah.
0: You you don't need to know what you're talking about. That's yeah. like the Don Henley song, "Dirty Laundry." You don't yeah. have to look good. You you just have to look good. You don't have to be clear.
1: That's- it's it's it's. Um, you just have to have a point of view.
0: Yeah, I see that too often without, um, without any substance behind it. And that's, see, I think that's also a problem of the constriction of the media as they've, uh, as the media monopolies have gathered, you know, their, uh, their power, salaries have remained stagnant or gone down. Now for the higher, you know, echelon, for those who are, they depend on, you know, their, their celebrity star anchors, that's not the case, but for others it, it has. And so it kind of drives, I, I mean, I've seen senior producers at um, networks who were like 24 years old. And I, I said, well, who's it? How old's a junior producer, 12? Oh, they're,
1: they're, they're in fourth grade. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, you, you know, there was, um, there was a time when I walked into that briefing room and I remember Sam Donaldson said, look, Brian, you know, that you pay attention to that first row there. There's probably 250 years of experience. The institutional knowledge that we used to have is is lacking today yeah
1: and you know I, I will say this though that that group of people um who cover the white house is you know it's it's still some of the best reporters in the world yeah uh and you know it's there's there's a lot of things wrong with journalism but there's a lot of things right
0: i agree uh, with that too and
1: i you know it's you develop your own system for knowing you know, who's got the chops and who doesn't. Um, and, you know, it's... Uh, well,
0: see, that's what experience gives you, that yeah. ability to know that. It's the lack of experience that's the problem, not the experience. And I'm, I, not, I'm, I'm I, not... I
1: not a colleague at the White House when, when we were there who had a very simple system with, you know, uh, reporters. He'd say, every time a source lies to you, have an index card on all of the reporters, and just write it down. He, li- he or she lied to me on this day. And he said, when you get a couple of notations on that ind- index card, stop calling them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what a concept. Yeah. <laughs> Learn from your mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, what we tell our kids.
1: <laughs> the, the really great reporters were already doing
0: that. Yeah. And, and
1: the, the, the reporters who, you know, just wanted to get noticed um they didn't care so
0: well i i i have had to burn very few sources in my life but the reasons i did were always because they lied to me yeah um and that was you know i had one in a murder case who told me something that was factually inaccurate and did it to protect another cop and so when it came time i burned him i you know i named him um because that you know, as it turns out, it was a wise thing that I did. But I, I, I think that uh, that's one of the bigger problems that we have today. But the lack of, and it boils down to a lack of uh, institutional knowledge, you and know, uh,
1: institutional, um, you know, mores or um, that uh, too customs or whatever the the right word is uh, of rules of the road. Yeah. Uh, what you should, what you can do, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, and what you absolutely can't do. Well,
0: you know, you can do just about everything, but you shouldn't do just about everything. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's where we are. Ah! Well, listen, I, God, I could do this all night, but I will tell you this. There's two things there are two scenes in the paper that I adored. One is uh, when he hands him the clipboard and he says, look, with a confident smile on a clipboard, and get into just about any building in the country. True, that's true. absolutely true. And I, then this, I'll,
1: I will I'll make you save that one. And I will tell you that I did as a like college student um, worked at a convention, um, a Democratic convention in New York, as you know, like you know, someone who ran around checking things out for them. And I was covering a couple of delegations. And Tom Brokaw came into the room where we were all gathered here and he taught us all of the tricks for sneaking onto the floor without a credential. And he said, and my favorite one was when you're walking in, turn to the person behind you, pretend you're interviewing them and walk backwards in. He said, no, ever check to see you have your (laughs) credential. And I thought, you know, Tom Brokaw is giving me this
0: advice. I'm going to pay attention. But I had a similar... I was with a, a cameraman, and we were shooting um, a, a thing in El Cenizo, Rio Bravo, down on the uh, border of Texas and Mexico, and we were coming back from the shoot, and our, our, my photographer got hit with a, uh, you know, woo, he was speeding, and he goes, oh my God, if I get one more ticket, I, I'll lose my license. I said, be quiet, pull over to the side of the road, pull out your camera, and start shooting. So he does that. And the cop comes over as I'm getting out and he goes, well, I go, oh, Hey, we're with channel four. We're doing a story about uh, bad traffic up and down. We've been looking for you. Uh, can we, can we talk to you? Yeah. So we, we pulled out the camera. I did a sound bike with him, ended up doing a story. And by the time he was done, he was like, well, you, you were driving a little fast, but you fellas be careful. And I said, thank you, sir. Officer, sir, we're on our way. Yeah, <laughs> but that's true. But the other one, is the phone call the michael keaton phone call when well, he's talking to the guy which is essentially the new york times and he's as you lost your chance to cover the world buddy and he goes well guess what i don't live in the fucking world i live in fucking new york city so go fuck yourself and i was like yes <laughs> we've all yeah. been there once or twice um yes we have if you ever wanted to say that as a press secretary you can be honest um
1: uh on background <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> somehow somehow people don't let you say those things on, um, on the <laughs> unless you put your name next
0: to it yeah that's right especially when you have the f and, and a couple other letters in there yeah <laughs> but, well that that was a good movie that's one of my favorite um you know the other one was the Robert Duvall. He says, when you get older, everybody thinks you've you know accumulated so much wisdom. You're just the same asshole. You're just older. <laughs> Thanks, Bernie. <Yeah. laughs> your problems are your own yeah. uh, life lessons there. You're right. A lot of those, the other one for me was a uh, broadcast news. A lot of yeah. those lines I've actually heard in a, in a newsroom too.
1: I, I had forgotten about that. One. That was, that one was terrific. And, and but it was, um, You know, was more about the craziness of putting television news on the air. Yeah, Uh, that's why the paper stands out for me as a classic newsroom. You know, I I think it was a Randy Quaid who had the gun. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) there's always there's one of those guys in every newsroom. Uh,
0: Yes, there is. (laughs) Let Marty talk to her husband <laughs> yeah we had a couple of those <laughs> he, and and that line that he said uh, you know <laughs> you think everybody you, you're paranoid he goes only because everybody's out to get me yep. <laughs> and that's i've actually heard that in a couple of newsrooms
1: yep no no absolutely uh, you've i've heard that in a
0: couple campaign yeah. <laughs> but uh, the, the holly hunter broadcast news is for television news the equivalent of the paper
1: To me, Uh, the um, having been both in campaigns and in newsrooms, I they are remarkably similar. Oh, absolutely. Same type of people, same pressure. Yep. Same uh, imperfect product that get produced every day.
0: The difference is I I talk. I remember talking to James Carville about this. And it's the fact that there is a deadline in a campaign and you build and you build and you build and then, you know, then it's over. And, win or lose. Pardon? When yeah. Pardon? or you? Yeah, win or lose, and so there. That's the the adrenaline rush. There is a little more pure than because with news you just start over at ground zero every day. Yeah. Those are the two differences, but I agree with you otherwise. So yes. listen, I, I want to wish you a very uh, happy New Year and Merry Merry and and thanks for being around. Like I said, I could do this forever, but.
1: <laughs> so I, 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 I think we've probably lost everybody but somebody who has who you know doesn't know how to turn it off yes. we still got That's a few awesome. of those on the treadmill left exactly. <laughs> you're you're right now you're in mile 11 and yes. you might...
0: <laughs> there you go listen joe thanks for being with us the name of the show is just ask the question thanks again and we'll catch you next time